Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Sunday, May 7th, 2023. I had the incredible pleasure of chatting with volunteer combat medic Brandon Mitchell a few weeks ago and could not cut it down to a single episode. So today's episode is the second of two parts. You can find part one on our April 29th episode. Has there been anything really unexpected or anything that just took you by surprise in Ukraine so far? I'd say, I'd say for me, and I've never seen this coming, um, I hope she's not listening to this. Um, I worked with a 19-year-old girl for, for three months. Um, I'm a bit old-fashioned, shall we say. I, I grew up with my grandparents. I love and respect anybody if you're a good person, but I'm I'm a bit old-fashioned. Um, Nika is 19-year-old, uh, very progressive, and her age and gender do not define her. She's... She, before I came here, it's her generation. That's the reason I deleted all social media. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, but Nika is my best friend. Um, Nika and I have, have worked everywhere. She's 20 now. And um, I mean, we're really funny together. You know, like um, uh, I hug everybody, all my friends, men or women. And, and she'll ask me, did you ask her, did you have her permission to hug her? And I'll be like, shut the f*** up, Nika. <laughs> Um, but her and I have been through, um, we've been through some really bad times together. Um, uh, an aff- a failed offensive in Bakhmut. Um, she, she assisted me on the civilian evacuation work. Um, you know, there, there've been people who've lived and died with us. Um, but also when we went back to Kiev, um, Nika lives on our base. Uh, somebody, somebody gives me an apartment uh, for free that I can stay in because I'm a foreigner, you know. But she feels comfortable enough to come there, you know. If she needs a quiet place to stay to study, we have purely platonic relationship. Um, but she's become like my little sister. And um, as as strong as Nika wants to be, you know, like um, she won't let me carry a box for her. You know, even when there's two boxes, she wants to carry two of them. That's just her. Um, but and it really looks funny in front of a group of soldiers when you just see me walking. Duh, 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 and this girl <laughs> um, but when she has real problems, she talks to me, you know, and I never I never would have thought going to Ukraine in a in a Slavic conservative country that that my best friend would have been would have been a 19 year old non-binary human being do you know what i mean 
and she's got a lot of fans on social media. They think Nika for president, Nika for, yeah. um, you know, with the civilian evacuations, uh, this bothers a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people who watch on the internet or watch on the news. Why don't those people leave? You know, um, one day we went to get a lady we called Chicken Lady. Uh, we'll always re be referred to. Uh, her neighbor's house, about five houses over in East Bakhmut, uh, this would have been still October, maybe early November. Her neighbor's house was blowing up. It was a particularly no noisy day. And we went to get her. Uh, she had requested to leave. Sometimes their family members request them to leave, not not them themselves. And that always ends in failure. Um, but uh, she said, no, I don't want to go today because I still have two chickens left to kill and eat. Um, but could you come back in a few days for me? Um, yeah, so that was chicken lady. Um, some of these people... You go to their house to evacuate them and you make a plan to go to some very dangerous places and they're not there. And then when you have phone signal later, they say, no, I left two days ago. I found another way. Did you not think to call the people that may, might be coming, you know, 500 meters from the Russians to get you? Um, you know, one, one time a building got blown, uh, an airplane bomb hit, uh, and half the building, big, long Soviet apartment building, half of it got blown up. And uh, the people who wanted to leave, uh, that morning, two Ukrainian soldiers were, were wounded by snipers around the corner. And um, they insist on bringing everything, 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 even a piano, if they had it. Um, that's that's a joke. I've, I, I have taken a piano before, but um, we just didn't want it to be a Russian piano because the house was destroyed but uh, they want to take everything and they want to take all their food to the point where one person can hold back seven people quite mm -hmm. often that's the way it is a grandmother makes the decision we're staying and then her son and her grandchildren have to stay um we had to do two runs that day just so we could take all her food um in a, in a not so great place but uh all those food packages say World Food Program, World Central Kitchen. Um, where the hell did she think that food was coming from? You know, where is she? It comes from the West. Where are we trying to take her? West. Um, no, that's bizarre. Um, that they don't want to leave their home, home no matter what. Um, I have some stubborn older relatives who are a bit the same. But... Donbass people are are stubborn on a level that I've never. Um, yeah, many many people will stay and they will die, and it's and it's when they want to leave, it's too late. I I don't do that work anymore. Uh, I can because I have freedom of movement to volunteer with other things, um, with the exception of one day in March. I haven't done a civilian evacuation since um, my friend Andrew Bagshaw was was murdered in Soledad. Mm. It's not worth my life uh, for a 70-year-old woman who may or may not want to go. So are civilian evacuations more dangerous, more challenging than the work you do as a combat medic? Yeah, if I can be honest, they are. Um, they're a lot more. The difference between uh, civilian evacuation work and with the army medical 
it, it becomes, there's no organized system uh, how to do it. And people ask, where do you get your orders from? There is no, there is no orders. Um, they're Ukrainian people uh, who are Russian speaking. Um, and what they do is they go to these towns, however many times they hand out their phone numbers, they talk to the people, uh, they get their trust. Uh, they bring in food packages. A lot of the big organizations who wouldn't go so far, uh, they used to give food packages to, to certain volunteers who would go further. Uh, they don't. They tend not to do that anymore, um, sadly. Or maybe it's the right thing. Um, and eventually, when things got really bad in those communities, they had those phone numbers to call. Um it might be slow, but when things get really bad, it gets really busy. Um, so that that work is all built up uh, through trust with the communities or a local activist who's from the community will work with you to help you to get the people out. Those people will also work with the army as well. Uh, like they'll tell the army, you know, this person's sick, this person has a broken leg and the medics will come in and help them. Um, but with the civilian evacuation work, uh, there's many people that want to come and do it for a week, a day. Um, most people don't last a week. But so many people see it romanticized on the internet. Uh, and they're like, I want to do that. Um, I think I can count maybe definitely not on, definitely not more than two hands, but the foreigners who've consistently stayed at it, I would have been one of them. There isn't five to 10. Uh, and they support a Ukrainian because they don't speak Russian. So you have to come with money and a vehicle uh, and, and good skills. Um, yeah, no, I, I've done that for a while. Uh, a big problem with that work, if you don't have social media, my friend Ignat uh, has won a, a much bigger platform than me. Um, if you don't document it, you don't get donations. So he doesn't do it anymore, but I've done it everybody's done it they would take journalists around in hopes that they would get a better following and get more funding to do their work um and quite often having the journalists has been a very negative experience uh they take up room in a vehicle that could be for someone else that you might very well need uh or they bring their own car and they block you in um and quite often they don't follow the parameters um because they're there to document it for themselves. I understand they have a job, um, but all of a sudden the house gets blowing up and, and there's rubble and destruction and uh, you've accepted responsibility for them for the day, but they don't want to leave now. And you're also alone. You're not with the army. Um, if you have a good Russian speaker who can talk to the army, uh, you have very limited intelligence. You can only go 500 meters at a time and stop and talk to a soldier. Um, the old block, uh, block post in Bakhmut, uh, you'd go further east to Pitaradne, um, would stop and ask the guy, um, how is it down there today? And he says, uh, well, um, everybody who goes down there, most come back. So that's your intelligence. I I was only ever scared doing civilian work. Um, I've, I've worked on the Russian side uh, in Solodar, um, we just kept pushing it further and further. It's not like the army. It's not like your parents taught you. You do the easy work first and you put the hard work off, off to the last. 
so you can in theory you can get the easy work done first and if something happens well at least you you, you accomplish what you did um with the army it's quite different it's actually a lot calmer in fact it's even a bit safer but until it's not and and in the army it's very calm it's very calm and then it gets really bad but you're part of a team um if you're doing civilian work there's no one coming to get you and like i said in january in bakhmut uh, uh, there was pete reed very famous american um i knew pete personally uh he had accomplished so many things, but I even told him, you're moving too fast. You need to slow down. Um, you don't know. You don't know Donbass. Not that I pretend to know it, but after a year, I think I knew something. Um, yeah, and he died. Um, uh, one of my friends was a humanitarian worker. He was executed by Wagner. Hmm. Um, yeah, you're alone. If you If you do civilian evacuation work, you are alone. If anybody is listening and thinks they want to do this work, I don't discourage them. But yeah, it's different than the army. It's really different. As a combat medic, are you kept more in the loop? What kind of heads up might you get for something like incoming casualties? It's no secret. Um, the Russian attacks generally happen at night, early night. Uh, and it's always artillery. Starts with artillery, grod. Um, they'll fire till they run out every night unless it's a big attack like an, a, a, an operation but um, you know a medic team will wait on a point we call it a 300 point um, it's changed a lot in the war thanks to foreign aid um, I haven't been in a four wheel drive forward to the point where, where like machine gun or rifle fire I have, I've had to worry about that that's only ever been a handful of times. Now we've got the armored carriers. Um, I'll fit at something called a 300 point and I'll wait. Um, and on the radio, we'll get told what we have, but we don't know when they're coming. Um, you know, sometimes they can come out in 40 minutes. Sometimes they can come out in 20, sometimes it's three hours. Um, it all depends on the situation. Um my last, uh, like I said, my last night working, um, I wasn't even supposed to be working. Um, yeah, I've been in Avdika for the past two months. Um, it was very calm for a few days. Um, we went out uh, to look for new collection points in Avdika. So we just drive around, nice sunny day. Um, this is where we'll park up. This is where we'll meet up. This is like from the armored carrier to an ambulance or a, a soft vehicle. Um you know, two nights later, in a completely different direction, we had an attack. Um, and I took out a dead guy. Um, I took out a guy with a concussion. And we waited and waited for hours. We were told about those guys two hours before. Easy. Um, but it was determined every one of them was stable. They didn't even want to send a medic, an armored medic in there because because Ukraine really values its medics. They waited till the attack was over for the night. That's when Russia starts doing their nasty things, like the, we call them cassettes, cluster munitions, where they, they spread out and blow up phosphorus. 
they it, they tend to save that for the end of the night. Um, and then the normal guys in the BMP carrier said, well, we're bringing in ammo and supplies. We'll take the guys out, not to send the medics. Um, you know, so that that's one night. That's, that's a good night. They're all stable. Uh, there's other times where you've got to go. You've got to go right away. And there's times where you might be, there might be no armored carrier. It might be busy. So you might have to go further than was even your point. Um, I've done that a few times, um, particularly in the Avdivka direction, because we have so many rural areas. Uh, it's not like how Bakhmut and Solidar, it was all concentrated around one town. There was only one way for them to come. Um, it's There's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and due to the lack of radios, because uh, when a guy gets blown up here and we lose a radio, um, you might not have any communication, so you might not know the state of the casualty. Somebody got to inform you you have this many, or we have more, um, but they don't tell you what they actually have because uh, it's a non-medic up on the front not relaying that information um, so that you can wait for hours sometimes. And uh, I mean, if this was, if this was America, this was Britain, this is, you know, don't judge the Ukrainians are doing better than, uh, better than we probably could under the circumstances um, as humans, like all things being equal, but you could wait, you could wait for a couple hours and it's like, but what does he have? Is he, does he have an amputation? Does he have a concussion? Um, I really wish if, if they could do one thing, I wish they could get that right. Yeah, it's there's no rhyme or reason to it. Every night is different. Every situation is different. Have you ever run out of things that you needed? Yeah. Um, the most recent thing we ran out of is something called an eye gel. Okay. And uh, uh, that's a breathing apparatus that I can put in their mouth. Okay. Uh, it's a big tube. It looks like... Um, it looks like a spatula, almost like a little, a little curved cup on, like a little bowl on the end. And um, yeah, my last week we were completely out of the most common size, okay, which would fit the average man. So we only had ch children's eye gels, which is is kind of pointless. Um, thankfully, within two days we had more. Um, and army army medical is a bit slow. Uh, we get it, but it's not fast enough um, to come from. I don't even know where it comes from. But thanks to people I know on social media, uh, through our Nova Post system, which can deliver to 20 kilometers to the line, like civilian postal system, um, I'm able to get stuff from Kiev just by asking on Instagram. Uh, wow. So so we got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a big thing that we had a problem with until I'd say till about December, and it seems to be fixed everywhere, is pain relieving narcotics. Uh, ketamine is the most popular one, and the reason ketamine is so popular, if you don't come from a medical background, uh, there's hardly any interactions with any other drugs. Okay, it has a short life. It's almost impossible to overdose someone on ketamine. The biggest problem is when you don't give them enough. The solution is more ketamine. Um, and like I said, there's there's no interactions. Um, so once you bring them to a stabilization or a doctor, he's not limited with what he can do. Um, we were, I'd say, I'd say overall that that was a genuine shortage. Um, it seems it was only till December 
that everybody seems to have enough ketamine, anyone I talk to. Um, that's a that's a big, big issue for us. And, and still to this day with tourniquets, but good tourniquets, uh, many of the Chinese ones break. I won't yeah. throw them out. Still use them for training, keep them as backup. Um, there's good Ukrainian brands that can be purchased that are fantastic. Uh, but the problem is there's not a shortage in Ukraine, but there's a shortage where some people have too much, some people won't share. Um, that simple little device saves more lives than anything. All the medical knowledge in the world, if, if they don't live. Um, yeah, we, we still need more tourniquets, but we need them in the right place. And I don't know how to solve that problem. What are you currently fundraising for? Right now, um, so the day before I left Ukraine, I purchased six night vision binoculars. Um, those are currently in Holland um, and they'll be in Ukraine before I get back. I, I just have to have the right person from Germany to deliver them because it's 18,000 euros. I'm, I'm not going to leave it with, um, well, with these two potheads from England ones that we trusted. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I got my package in the end, but they brought the wrong one. Um, but thermal scopes uh, for rifles, thermal scopes. Uh, you ever watch the movie Predator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see, like Predator. Um, it's like Grand Theft Auto in cheat mode. My friend Maxine <laughs> told me. Yeah. Um, and what I'm doing, uh, I've had some help with the technical aspects. Um, I've already purchased eight so far uh, for marksmen or snipers, uh, but there's different sizes, and those are 35 millimeter. I'm right now trying to purchase 25 and 19 millimeter thermal scopes, make it very simple. Uh, they're less capable, but they're for AK, AK-74 rifles, which every soldier uses. Um, and I want to buy no less than 20, 30. Um, I, I'm about a, on the current fundraiser, I'm about a third of the way there. And I want to put them in trenches. And what I want to do, I want to prove to whoever's watching because I know there's someone watching my social media because uh, I've been told to take down one video out of a hundred um, very politely, but told to take down quick. Um, I want to prove the efficacy of equipping normal soldiers, training them how to use thermals because everything happens at night. And with these ones for the AK-74, they can be purchased between minimum $800 to possibly up to $1,500. Um, they only need to shoot 300 meters in the pitch black because that, that's as far as, as those rifles go. And that, and that's that's where we're meeting the Russians in the trenches. Um, and I want to go and prove that myself personally uh, with regular soldiers, regular territorial, regular brigades, um, because there is night vision. You know, people ask in Ukraine, where's all my Joe Biden tax money going? Well, it was never on that. It's on high Mars. And I never seen that stuff on the list. But um, the guys who get all that equipment are the special forces. Um, it's not the, the regular guys. Um, and I want to support them. I've Essentially, I've only ever supported regular units um, with my funding. But if I can prove the effectiveness 
Nobody's ever tried to sell that concept in Ukraine. Just thermals for normal soldiers, not super special forces, cracking SSO, um, but just the real guys. Um, I'm going to do that, but I hope somebody who knows, maybe even a government will notice, and they're like, wow, maybe maybe we could do that. How many thermoscopes can we buy for one HIMAR missile? So that's that's my goal. Um so far, I've 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 got enough to buy about ten of them, and I'm going to see a man here in Sweden this week. Uh, his business, he doesn't want to be widely uh, promoted because he has government contracts as well, and he's agreed to walk me through the processes as if you would explain it to a child. Um, why not? Why should I pretend I know anything? I've learned a lot, um, and I'm also going to see someone in England about this matter before I leave too. Um, there's a lot of people who, in principle, are supporting me with this and and the fundraising, of course, too. <laughs> so how do people donate to you? How do they give you money? Uh, I never, on all my social media posts, it's always at the very, very bottom. I never ask. So like on YouTube, you'd have to go into the descriptions uh, at the bottom of an Instagram or a Facebook post. And uh, I never ask. I just let it be. And, and every month I'm pleasant, very pleasantly surprised. So any social media post I have, it's always at the very bottom. Uh, PayPal's my favorite. There's this thing called buy me a coffee. Um, that added up so big that it's it's kind of locked right now. Um, yeah, it's it, we're resolving that. Um, but that, that still might take another few weeks. It's, it's, it's been two months now I've had a problem with that. The money's not going anywhere. You just can't get to it. Um, no, I can't. Um, because it's such a large amount of money. Uh, it's it's over $30,000 now that's built up in there. Wow. Um, so the bank won't, the Ukraine bank and, and uh, they, I've had to talk to them personally. They won't, they, they won't accept such a large transfer because I'm an, I'm a non-citizen. So we, we've had to sort this out. Oh. Um, now I've become what's called a registered volunteer. But this is this is taking so much time. Uh, but the money's there. It's a good problem to have. Too much money to deposit. Yeah, it's it, yeah. The, the bank won't accept it because it's too much in one <laughs> go. I um I get a lot of attention. Um, you know, like um, I've I've done some media interviews that have, have been big. Uh, I, I've been successful with social media. But but I get I get a lot of messages, um, mostly from men saying I'd I'd love to have a beer with you someday, you know. And and is, is it me or is it just the idea of me? Um, I've also had some women make some very kind offers as well, um, you know. I'm well above punching well above my league at least on the internet. But it's all well and good. Um, I know people look at us in Ukraine. But it's only since I've come home, uh, only a few days ago, um, one of the people that works with us in Donbass, this girl who distributes aid, military aid to a Swedish organization, um, she told me that that the people who work in the organization here to do all the organizing, to get the vehicles, the cars, uh, the clothing for the soldiers, um, she told me how much those people have sacrificed Um for example, uh, two of the founding members of one of the organizations here, um, 
their jobs have suffered, their relationships with their wives and children have suffered, um, and even in some cases their health, because, you know, I'm in Ukraine doing my thing. I get all the attention in the world. If I'm rude or snappy with someone, they're like, okay, it's okay, Brandon's in Ukraine, you know. Um, but these people are putting in... Um, volunteers in america in canada in britain in germany um there's people putting in two hours a day every day three hours four hours a day um they're making like like one of my friends my biggest help in a german organization um he works for a big corporation in germany he asked me not to name um you know like he's he's taken calls from me like before he's going into board meetings you know like really high like there's there's people people all over the place doing things um there's mechanics uh for example there's one nice man ben uh he he wrote to me brandon we can buy this four-wheel drive for you guys it's so cheap but i've i've inspected everything all we need to do is change this and this that's why it's so cheap um there's so many people that have skills uh drones for example um my friend is now making drones in Ukraine. They're having a hard time getting all the components. Um, it's not only money, but now, for lack of a better term, I'm not technically kind. There's nerds uh, who are looking on eBay for used components because they're nerds. They build their own PCs and things. They know what they're looking at. And they're taking their time to, well, I can buy it used, a used component, because it's only going to blow up in a drone anyway. Um I would suspect some of your listeners are people like that, some of them who, who are helping. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge that. And I want to say thank you because the longer this goes on, the more I'm realizing um, I think 30% of the war effort is from civilians in Ukraine or abroad. We can't buy high Mars, but we can, we can buy everything else. Uh, and don't worry if you worry that the support's running out our governments will do what they do, but all the civilian efforts, they're getting better. They're getting more streamlined. They're getting more experienced. So if anybody here doesn't volunteer and they want to volunteer with Ukraine, why don't you find one of these organizations or individuals who's been doing it? Supplement them. Are there any organizations or individuals that you would recommend? Um Okay, so there's one in America. I can send you links later on. They're called uh, Forever Ukraine. Uh, kind of spearheaded in Ukraine by uh, a boy named Oleg who grew up in America. They do a lot of humanitarian things. I'm more concerned with the military side of things. They have been buying clothing, U.S. Army surplus, through auctions. Uh, they they buy it cheaper and more efficient than anybody, uh, and they send it over to Ukraine in bulk to give to soldiers, uh, particularly to territorial soldiers who have the, the least good equipment. Because in the Ukraine pecking order, they they fall at the bottom, unfortunately. Um, so that's work that I know. If you're American, support Forever Ukraine. I'll get you a link for that. Uh, if you have Europeans, um, Europeans tend to support any national cause. If it's not their own, more so. They don't care. Um, international aid group in Germany. Uh, they bring us armor plates. They bring all my generators that I pay for. I, I trust them with 40,000 euros at a time. And next month they deliver. They supply hospitals too. Um, in Sweden, we have blue gold billen. It's hard. You'll definitely, it means blue gold car. Um, 
they have brought over 200 vehicles to the Ukrainian army. Um, in the winter, they listened. I'm not saying it was only me that said it, but they actually listened. Um, they said, what sort of clothing should we buy for them? And I said, I know it's expensive, but if you can get a deal, buy Merino wool. Okay. Now, I know it's a little bit more money, but this is Merino wool. And when I'm in Merino wool for five, six, seven, eight days, I don't smell like shit. And when I don't smell like shit, I feel good about myself. And nothing else but Merino wool does that. Um, they found a deal. Um, obviously, it costs more money, but they got a really good deal on it. And, you know, probably probably no less than two, 3,000 Ukrainian soldiers wore Merino wool and they didn't smell and feel like shit. So, so it's really nice to be listened to. Do you understand? To be given what we what we ask for, not what we here you should have this because I can get a tax write off on it. But they're smart people anyway. They get a, they get tax write offs for everything. These because it's not NGOs. There's no government that said anything yet that you can't support the army. Everyone was scared of that at first. I have not heard a story where the government has come after any NGO who's, who gives military aid to Ukraine. Um. So, so those are the ones uh, in Germany. They're absolutely fantastic uh, and efficient because they're in Europe. They're coming every month to Ukraine with big supplies. International aid group, Blue Gula Villain, Blue Gold Car in Sweden. Um, and in America, I'm so sad to say because it's so far away. You know, people want to send things sometimes. It's like, you're going to pay more on customs and shipping. I'm, I'm sorry, just send us money. And, and that hurts our cause. Um, but if they were to back... Uh, forever Ukraine I'll, I'll get you the details they're proven because they've done it you know they 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 send by the container um, and then it's practical uh, but if you want to get involved contact people like this um, and what a better way to help that's my whole goal while I'm abroad just to talk about other organizations that that in other countries that helped legitimately because because uh, a lot of them didn't and they're gone now so like I say, if you want to support me, great. If you want to support Hospitaller's Medical Battalion, I'm a member of, that's, please do. This war is so big, anybody who thinks they, they've got the answer to it, um, I think they're lying. Do do what you feel is right, and you're contributing. You won't go wrong. <laughs> I don't know if that instills a lot of confidence, but the more I learn, the less I, the less I know. Uh, honestly, it's so big. It's good to know what you don't know. Yeah, but when I didn't know what I didn't know, that was... <laughs> that's the Ukrainian army. They didn't know what they didn't know. They didn't go. They didn't train for a year or two to go to Afghanistan and, and learn everything. Nobody told them what they couldn't do. That's why, that's why I say that all things being equal, if it was us with what they had to work with, I don't think we would have made it. I... I I'm just giving my honest opinion. They they said, okay, well, we're going to try this and we don't know what's going to happen, but it's our country. And I'm talking about the unit actions um, and somehow they pull it off. Well, what do you think it's going to be like for like the soldiers and the volunteers and the medics when the war is over? I believe we'll win. I can't see it any other way. Uh, just how costly that is depends on foreign aid. Um Right now, we're only getting enough just to keep it going. Um, and I think that's been the case the whole way. I, I, I see that personally. Um, but I remember I remember in June, 
when I first came back after my first long rotation in Kiev, in Kiev had normalized. You know, you could buy an ice cream, you could buy a coffee. And there were soldiers in uniform and they were falling down drunk. Um, and one of them fell and hit his head and he, he was bleeding. Um, I went over to try to help him, but he was, I'm not going to say he was violent, but uh, he was quite aggressively drunk. And the police were very calm with him and like very kind about putting him in that car. And um, why was he like that? You know, a young man, 20 years old. Um, maybe he'd seen something. There, there's a lot of that, you know. Um, I think they're going to need a lot of support. Back in the day, uh, there was things we didn't talk about. You know what I mean? Why was grandfather so angry all the time? You know? Why did... Why did he? Why did he drink in silence out out in the shed? Uh, um, but um, I I don't know how Ukraine's going to address that. But that's that's going to be a long, long. That's going to be a long process. Maybe we'll actually see some good out of the Red Cross uh, when the war is over. Who knows? Um, I just hope that many people would come as possible after the war as tourists or whatever and, and, and see how you have no idea how stunning Kiev is. What an amazing city that is. Um, but, but just come with an open mind. Speaking of tourists, have you encountered many war tourists? Yeah, all the time. Every, every, every day, every day, every day. I've seen organizations or groups that were going to come for they were going to come for a day or two uh they were going to deliver something and then they never delivered it because they found uh they found someone better to deliver to someone they promised to um you know more often than not they come from the english-speaking world from the uk from 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 canada from america um, but they're soldiers who come over to join the Legion, but they don't want to join the Legion or, um, or they, I don't know, they hang out in Kiev. I don't know what the hell it is they do. Um, and maybe they come to Donbass for like a day or two and, uh, they deliver a couple boxes, whether it's needed or not. And, um, they've all got to get a picture at the Bakhmut at the airplane um yeah there's 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 a there's a lot of that and it 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 still goes on but it but it doesn't have it's not effective do you know what i mean it's not really helping anyone you know it was like that for the civilian evacuations in the summer in solidar um people showed up and wanted to help um but they they didn't have they didn't speak russian they'd never done the work before um and they were sitting around at the collection point with many many cars like, tell me what to do. Um, I don't know what became of them, but it did not help at all. Um, you know, there's there's also, like, money people. Um, this one man from from America came recently to our brigade, contacted my friend Rebecca, um, and he said that um, some Ukrainians came uh, from our brigade, very tired, you know, talking about he's going to give us this and that. Um 
and he had things for us that he never had. And, and we went to meet him in Pekrovsk. And he spent five minutes talking about who he was and, and what kind of guy he was. And he had connections with someone named Kevin McCarthy, who apparently is a big thing in America. Um, yeah. And, and he only had 600 Twitter followers, but they were the right followers, you know, who, who the shakers and movers. And he was going to do this. He was going to do that. But the one thing he was told to do was to not come empty handed to the Ukrainians who were driving an hour off the front to come visit him. And uh, telling us he had sat phones and all these things, even in the car he was going to give us. And he never gave one. And he brought a camera crew in, you know, and they didn't even ask permission to film, giving his grand speech in front of in front of everyone. Um, there's been a lot of people like that, uh, not on the soldier side, but on the, uh, the humanitarian shaker and mover side. Um, yeah. He wanted me to like him. He wanted me to shake his hand. He wanted us to do interviews for him to legitimize his cause. Um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of people like that, but he 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 didn't do anything. He didn't. He spent all this time talking, not not listening to a Ukrainian saying, "What do you need?" Um, and when we told him what he needed, oh well, I'm going to need to organize this and this. It's going to take time because I have the big picture and. We told him, I said, well, that's that's all well and good, but in the time frame you're talking about, there's going to be another 50 or 100 men dead in our brigade by the next time we see you. Um, it was completely lost upon him. He he was insulted that that we didn't we didn't agree to do his interviews. Um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff like that. A lot of it is still going on. A big problem, I won't name the organization, but they are a legitimate organization that helps the military and they're, they're quite well known. And I had a conversation with the director and I said to him, I said, um, you know, thank you very much for those 200 IFAX individual first aid kits you sent to us. We had to replace the tourniquets because uh, they weren't very good, but you don't know what you're buying. So, you know, we're, we're grateful. Um and I said, uh, I'd like to help you in the future. But it seems to me guys like you are giving to the Kraken, the SSO, all these special units all the time. And they need supplies and they do a good job. But the reality is they're not here every day. This war is going to be won and lost uh, by the normal guys in the trenches. And I know you give to them, but why the hell are you giving to these guys who have everything? Uh, when you could be given more to the guys who need more. And uh, it's not his fault. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's everybody who's listening to this podcast. Um, the moment I mentioned 93 Brigade in one of my videos, uh, famous 93 Brigade, oh, I gave them a gender. I just mentioned it. Four people comment in the comments. Oh, 93 Brigade, they're amazing. Uh, who told you they were amazing? Social media told you. And they are amazing. Uh, but what about 46 Brigade, who went into Soledad after them, that you don't know about? Um, what about 25 Brigade, who dies every day? Um, you don't know about them because they don't have as good a social media, and that's the Ukrainians' fault. Um, but back to the director of this organization, why does he give more to Kraken? It's called I call it Kraken tax because I'm cynical. Um, because if he if he gives to an unknown unit and they document it the way they always document it, Next month, he has less money to deal with, like in donations, and he's seen it month after month. So 
he gives to a unit that needs Akin SSO, but they don't need half as bad as the other guys. But he still has to give a certain percentage to those famous units to get more funding. He he's playing. In, we're all part of this problem. We are all part of this problem. Oh well, I seen that on social media or on TikTok or, um. But it's it's if you don't have social media from the army to whatever, you don't know about those units and you don't know how many Russians they've killed and how many of them are getting killed. Um, and no disrespect to those super special units. Um, they're not going to be the ones who are going to win or lose the war, in in my humble opinion. It just goes down to human nature. The pretty boys get everything, but they do the least, and the ones with the least do the most. I would like to do that, but I don't know. I'm not strong enough. I'm just going to try it with 30 thermals. I'm happy to risk my own life to do it, not to sound heroic, but... Yeah. My favorite soldier... Um... Alexei, he's he's probably about 300 pounds. He's got his hair slicked back, a goatee. He smokes weed. He listens to Bob Marley. Uh, he's been my 300 two, three times uh, wounded. Um, and he has, a, he has a PKM machine gun. And, um, and one day through Google Translate, uh, we use Russian because Google Translate doesn't work very well from Ukrainian, English to Ukrainian. Um, Every second word out of his mouth is a curse word. You'd really like him. Um, he joined the army February 24th. And one night he told me um, he got light bit of shrapnel in his leg. So he came to us. Um, and uh, he said, two last night. And he was smiling. And I was like, oh, you know, that's good. Because I, I still don't know how to react to that. I haven't killed a man. You know how it's rude to ask a soldier, did you ever kill anyone in Iraq? Um, and... Uh, he told me through Google, he says, um, I've killed four. Um, I need to kill seven. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, um, for my family, for my two kids, uh, for my wife, for my brother, sister, and my mom and dad. That's his logic. He doesn't want to die. He wants to go home. But if, if whatever he can do for his country, if he kills seven, that's, that's how he justifies it in his head. And he's just a normal, normal man. He's not um, he's not a super underwater special knife fighter walking around Kramatorsk with an AR-15 rifle ordering a burger. So, yeah, I just I hope more people will go against their human nature, even if even if the truth is not something they want to hear. The people who need the most support don't get it. And, and the reason even if the organization is good, they have to play it that way or it don't work. And those are good organizations. How do you get elected you tell you tell you tell the electorate what they want to hear, and you get another four years, whether you deliver or not. And if you tell the truth, you don't get an office. I should I should stop with all that now. That's yeah. that's war tourists and people trying and people with good hearts trying the best with what they have to work with. Thank you so much for talking with me, Brandon. It's been over two hours of your time. I really appreciate it. No, I I, I appreciate your time. You can follow Brandon on Instagram and YouTube at Ukraine underscore TBIC. The aid groups mentioned in today's episode are linked down in the description. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent... 
please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Mel Content News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.